13 uh, in just a moment. Did you ever get it really wrong? Did you ever miss it completely? Uh, Just have the thing upside down and back to front and... and, um, You know, the the opposite of what you expected to happen happened, or maybe even something you never imagined happening happened. That's what happened on that first Easter morning for, for many people. The Pharisees had a plan. Jesus was a problem. He was creating a stir. He was drawing a crowd. He was stealing their uh, power and their popularity. And he was risking their place with the Romans. And so they said, we'll fix the problem. We'll kill him. So they did. And they thought they'd solved their problem. But on that Easter morning, he wasn't in the tomb and they had no idea what to do with it. You see, normally if you take away the head of an organization, you kill the organization. That's why they always go after the head of the organization. But in Christianity, you take away the head of the organization and it spreads like a virus. That's the way it's intended, that the Spirit of God would come in uh, and Christianity would spread, uh, would reach out to many people. So the Pharisees got it completely wrong. They were completely um, stunned uh, by the fact that the body couldn't be found. They didn't know what to make of it. And it's the, the, the problem they thought they've solved, they have just exploded. It's going to be huge. But there's another group of people that get it completely wrong on that day. And, and we would have expected that they wouldn't. They would actually get it right. The disciples. Those that walked with Jesus. Those that knew him. Those that were his friends. They get it completely wrong as well. Uh, they missed it. I mean... <clears throat> They missed the fact that uh, he was going to rise from the dead. They, they, they just didn't get it. The darkness and the, the grim reality of the crucifixion uh, just broke their hearts. It, it, it left them with no comfort and no courage and uh, no faith. And Jesus sets about rebuilding that faith for them. Now, we have a wonderful example in Luke chapter 24. Two men are walking uh, on the road to to Emmaus. And we know it's Jesus that meets with them. They're not going to know that at first. But he's going to take and unravel all the pain for them and bring them back to the place where they can believe. Do you know that you and I have gotten it wrong sometimes, haven't we? We thought God was going in one direction and he went in another direction entirely. For whatever reason, maybe our hearts were wrapped up on it. Maybe we just uh, wanted something to happen. And, and you, you know, it's easy for us to end up in the place where our faith gets damaged and hurt. It's easy for us to end up in that place where, you know, our faith is hurt by the fact that but, but we thought he was doing something else. And now look what happened. And, you know, we need to let him put us back together again because that's what he does for these disciples all right luke chapter 24 verse 13 and behold two of them went that same day that's the resurrection day uh, to a village called emmaus which was from jerusalem about three score furlongs and they talked together of all these things which had happened and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, so what's going on is that they're, 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 they're talking back and forth. They're trying to make sense of all that's happening uh, between the, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection accounts they're hearing. They're trying to make sense of it all. So they're, 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 they're going back and forth together. They're reasoning. They're trying to work it out. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Now, you need to note that there. Jesus, it wasn't that Jesus couldn't be recognized. Jesus made sure they didn't recognize him because he wanted them to see from the scripture. He wanted them to understand truth, not just the experience of his presence. He wanted them to understand that what has just happened is what was supposed to happen. Right? So uh, he, he, they don't recognize him because he doesn't want them to recognize him. Uh, and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, and answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Do, do you know that the crucifixion and the resurrection, even by now, has gone viral. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about, you know, the, the, the rabbi that got crucified. And now you know what they say. They say he's, he's, his, his body's not in the tomb anymore. Some people have said they'd seen him, that he's alive. <clears throat> you know, there's strange things happening in Jerusalem. And everybody's aware that something's going on. It, it wasn't done in a corner. It wasn't done to be hidden. It was done in such a way that everybody was going to know about it. And already, people are getting to know. The Pharisees have failed to stamp this thing out before it starts. Already, it's, it's, it's stirring in an even greater way than it did uh, before uh, <clears throat> Jesus died. Um, and he said unto them, What things? And they said uh, unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not the body, they came, saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which uh, said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they, they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Father, would you bless your word to us, Lord. Lord, help us to uh, be touched by your word, to be moved by your word. And help us, Lord, not to be confused by the things that happen in our lives, Lord, because you're in charge of all of it. And help us to let your word lead and guide in our lives. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. First of all, the disciples are sad and perplexed by the death of Jesus. <clears throat> and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Well, why were they sad? They were sad because it was inconceivable that Jesus should die. That was just inconceivable. I mean, if you walked with a man who could say, Peace be still to the waves, and they went flat. If you walked with a man who, when the crowd wanted to uh, kill him, he could just walk through the crowd and they couldn't touch him. 
If you walked with a man who, when the Pharisees and the, and the, and the lawyers and the priests all tried uh, to catch him out, to make him say something off, and he <clears throat> presented these arguments that were flawless and that they couldn't say anything to. If you walked with a man like that, you'd say, they'll never get him. There's no way they're going to get him. There's no way they're going to put him on a cross. Not a chance. It's never going to happen. He'll pull something out of the bag. He'll work it out. He'll do something. But he didn't. And on that day, they watched as the grim reality of death happened. The blood flowed from his body and he went pale and he didn't get off the cross. And he didn't turn things around. And everything they imagined and hoped for and thought was was thrown up in the air. And they spent these awful three days thinking Jesus was dead. And then they get word. The tomb's empty. The grave clothes were folded. He's not there. He's gone. Some are saying that he's actually risen. Some are saying that he's, that, that he, that he's living. And, and it's all too confusing. It's all too, <clears throat> too much for them. They, they, they don't know what to make of it. I mean, he was dead, but now he's risen. And they, they just don't know what to do with it. They're totally confused. They're totally perplexed. I think it's, it's, it's very easy for us to look back and to think, yeah, well, they should have known better. And perhaps they should. But I think so often we're just like them, aren't we? We're confused by what God does. We think he's doing something and he's doing something else and, uh, and we get it wrong and, and um, we get confused. We get perplexed sometimes. We can be sad sometimes because of what God is doing. These men are sad. Jesus calls their sadness. Now, <clears throat> it wasn't that Jesus hadn't told them before that he would die. Uh, verse 6 says, He is not here but risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. He had spoken about the fact that he would rise from the dead. Uh, verse 11 says, And these words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. They didn't believe he had risen, even though he had told them that he would rise. In fact, if we were to go back through Scripture, we find time after time when he's telling them he's going to rise again. Remember in Matthew 16, verse 21, uh, you know, <coughs> where, where, where G- Peter declares that thou art the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Well done, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed that to you, but unto my Father which is in heaven. And then Jesus goes on immediately to explain the Son of Man is going to suffer the hands of the Pharisees. He's going to be crucified and he's going to die. What does Peter say? There's no way. Not going to happen. Not in the plan. <clears throat> we will defend you. You're, you're never go- they're never going to get you. Don't worry about it. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. What's he teaching? He's teaching them. I, I, I have to go to the cross, Peter. Well, let me give you some of the other passages. Um, Mark eight thirty one, And he began to teach them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Um, Mark nine thirteen, And he answered and he told them, Elias verily cometh first and restores all things. And, uh, and how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. 
Luke 9.22, uh, Luke 17.25. <clears throat> Jesus clearly taught them again and again that he was going to die. He clearly taught them that he was going to go to the cross, that that was just uh, the reality of what was happening, and there was nothing they could do uh, to stop it. But when he was crucified, they were in despair. When he was crucified, they thought, how could this happen? When he was crucified, they thought, this can't be. Now, how is it that the master teacher is teaching, but the pupils are not taking it on board? How is it that the master teacher is actually telling them what's going to happen? You know, the, the one who spoke truth all the time, the one who was truth, is truth, is speaking it, and they're not taking it in. They're missing it. How can they be so confused by the end of it all that when what he's told them is going to happen happens, they are just absolutely perplexed. They don't know what to do with it. Well, there's a reason. See, the reason they couldn't hear him was because their plans and goals were different to his. Verse 21 says, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, catch that. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. They had a plan in mind. They had a plan to be fair to them, which was the normal scriptural plan. Way back from the time of Judges, Israel had gotten themselves in trouble. And what had happened? God had stepped in. God had stepped in to sort the situation out and to help them and to turn the thing around. You have, you have the cycle of judges. You have sin uh, in judges. Uh, you, you, you have judgment. You have a crying out to God. And then you have God sending a redeemer, a judge. And that's always been Israel's history. There was always a, there was always a redeemer coming. There was always somebody coming who was going to help them. God always sent somebody to help them, somebody to uh, take and turn the situation around. And listen, Jesus is the best candidate that's ever been seen. He's far above any judge. He's he's much greater than Samson. He's much greater than Elijah. He's much greater than anybody they've seen up to now. He he fits the bill perfectly. And Israel have been done wrong, and Israel are in trouble with God and so on. But they're expecting... Jesus is the man. He's the one that's going to change it all. He's going to turn it all around. He's going to, he's going to make it all uh, different. Uh, also, they were going to be rewarded in that kingdom. They were going to sit in 12 thrones with Jesus. They were going to be rewarded in that kingdom. And that played heavily into the whole picture for them. They weren't thinking, I mean, yes, Jesus was talking to them in John chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come again, uh, that, that where I am there you may be also. They weren't thinking heaven. They were thinking, we're the ones that stood with him. We're the ones that, that were by his side when he was little, when he was little known and nobody knew him. And I'm telling you, he told us that when he gets to his place, when he's, when he's ruling, he's going, to, he's going to give us thrones and we're going to rule as well. We're fishermen, we're, we're nobodies, but I'll tell you what, we won't be nobodies then. And that kind of stuff can kind of get a hold of you, can't it? The idea of being somebody, that, that's real important to us. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, they had a, they've had a reversal in their lives, a pretty serious reversal in their lives. They had something going that was really good, that was really important, spiritually. 
They were, they were drawing a huge crowd to this thing. And, and, and then it was all taken away from them. It's all gone. And, and, and they're feeling like their life doesn't count. Because you know what? We tend to measure our lives in the here and now, don't we? We tend to measure our lives on what's going on right now. We, we measure our lives on, on the impact that we can see. Well, the real way for you and I to measure our lives is not on what's going on right now, but on what are we doing towards that kingdom that's coming. <clears throat> what part are we getting to play in that kingdom? And you know, the only part anybody ever gets to play in that kingdom is they obey. So these poor guys are focused on, you know, we're, we're going to be somebodies. We were nobodies, but we're going to be somebodies now, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be great. And then he's hanging on a cross with the blood draining from him. That doesn't fit the picture at all. That just, just doesn't work. You see, <clears throat> there was a problem between Jesus and the disciples that he was constantly addressing. Their focus was on the here and now. And his focus was on saving a lost world. Their focus was always coming back to the here and now. They were always <clears throat> looking at what was going on right now. They were always trying to work out <clears throat> for themselves. But he had a big picture. You see, here's the reality. Jesus had you and I in mind at this stage. Peter never even dreamt of meeting us. Now, we will meet someday because of what Jesus did. But Jesus had a plan that was going to affect all the ages, that was going to change everything, that was going to turn everything around. And these guys getting 12 thrones wasn't urgent as far as Jesus was concerned. You and I getting what we want now is pretty urgent to us. But Jesus is dealing with a much bigger plan. Jesus is dealing with a plan whereby he's going to reach the world, he's going to touch the world. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. Do you know that I do this? I get focused on what I'm doing, and I get out of sync with what he's doing. And then I'm wondering why he's not coming to the party. Then I'm wondering why, 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 he's, why he's not working it out for me, why he's not... Sorting the situation out for me when I'm focused on what I want right now and he's focused on something bigger. And you do too, don't you? Then you can get bent out of shape with God because he's not doing what you want him to do now. And, and the problem is what you've got is you've got a God who's got you know a huge picture, an eternal picture in mind. And you, you and I who got this week on a good day. On a bad day, it's the next hour. <clears throat> and you know what? We often cut across what God wants because we're so focused on what we want in the here and now. And here's the problem. The problem for the apostles is <clears throat> that their faith was almost shattered by it. Why? Because they expected one thing and they got another. Have you done that? Have you expected one thing and God's given you another? You know, 
their faith is almost shattered. They, 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 they are destroyed. And, and if, if Jesus doesn't do something to sort them out and help them and get them back on track, they're lost and the program's lost and the plan is lost and it all washes out. So he's going to come and he's going to fix the problem. Now, if I was going to fix the problem, here's what I would do. I would come, you know, these guys uh, didn't get the fact that I was going to die. They didn't get the fact that I was, <clears throat> that, um, you know, that, that, that there was a death, burial, and a resurrection involved. I would come and I would do, ta-da! I'm, Jesus doesn't do that. He does something entirely different, and it's really helpful for you and I to see what he does. Right? First of all, their eyes are holding. They can't see who it is. No ta-da. Their eyes are holding. They can't actually see uh, who it is at all. <clears throat> and he does something that's going to help them in a much deeper way. Now, <clears throat> and you and I need to get a hold of this because it's really important to us. Our experience is not the defining issue in our relationship with God. Do you know that? Because your experience, listen, I think you should experience God. I think that's real. I think you should experience God. I think that that should be definitely uh, where you, <clears throat> if, if, listen, if you've got the, the, the spirit of the living God dwelling in you and you're not experiencing God, there's something wrong. There's a disconnect. There's something missing there, right? I think you should experience God. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think you should experience him. I think you should experience his blessing. I think you should experience the reality of God in your life. I think that should be part of the life of the believer. But do you know that experience has a way of getting us off base? And here's what happens. We can think we had an experience and we're not sure. Or we can have an experience and we can forget there's something more important to you and I than experience. Let's look at what he says to them. <clears throat> they need to go back to the Word and have their thinking changed. <clears throat> then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I mean, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? These poor guys are sad, perplexed, confused. And Jesus said, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Do you think he could say that of you and I? Pretty sure he could say it about me sometimes. I'm pretty sure he could actually take and he could say it because the word of God, somehow we see it, but we don't. Somehow we read it, but we don't. Now, these men have walked with Jesus for three years. They've been around him. They've heard him preach. They, you know, uh, you and I have the, the New Testament, which is kind of a, uh, you know, <clears throat> a short account of all that Jesus said and did. John said, if you, if you wrote everything that he did, you, all the books of the world couldn't contain it. They have a short account. Uh, the, the, the Bible is short, the short account. These guys had a much fuller revelation of all that he said and did in those years. And they still missed it. And so you know what he does? He takes them back to school. He takes them, in fact, back to kindergarten. Low babies, the ABCs class, whatever you want to call it. He takes them back there. 
And look what he does. Um, he, He points out their problem. They're slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures have taken. And then he begins to explain to them all that the Bible says about him. Now follow with me. You don't need to look. Just listen to me here, right? Uh, in verse uh, um, Psalm forty-one, verse nine says this: "Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me." Now put yourself in the place of these two men, right? You're walking along this dusty road, and Jesus says, "Oh fools and slow of heart." And he begins to teach them from the Old Testament all the things concerning him. And he says to them, do you know that uh, the the, the Messiah's um, trusted friend, the one he ate bread with, had lifted up his heel against him? What do you think those guys say? That's Judas. He walked with us. He was one of us. He, he, was, he was a familiar friend of Jesus. Does, does it really say that? Yeah. Isaiah 53, verse 12 says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He, he, he was numbered with the transgressors? See, one of the confusing things about Jesus dying was he died like a common criminal. When you saw Jesus on the cross, there was nothing special about his cross. It wasn't a nice shiny brass or gold cross. It was just a hunk of wood. And when you saw Jesus on the cross, he just looked like all the rest of the criminals that were around. How could it end like that? But the Bible said that he would die with the transgressors. And so Jesus is explaining now. Uh, Psalm 22, verse 16 says, For dogs have come with me about the assembly of the wicked, have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. They pierced his hands and his feet? Does, does it really say that a thousand years before this? Yeah, it does. The Bible goes on and talks about Jesus again and again in ways that have exactly been fulfilled in these last few days. Uh, Psalm 69, verse 21, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And they're saying, Yeah, yeah, remember remember the soldier? I dipped the sponge in vinegar and he held it up to his mouth and he wouldn't drink it? And now the light bulbs are beginning to go on because he's explaining to them from the scripture uh, what's happened. Zechariah 12, verse 10, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Huh! It's in there. They were going to pierce him. Do you know that, that, that crucifixion hadn't been invented back then? They will look upon me whom they have pierced. Psalm 16, verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Um, No, he didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay dead. You see, it's all there in the Old Testament, but they couldn't see it. Jesus had spoken to them, but they couldn't see it. Now, why? Because they had a plan, didn't they? And the plan wasn't God's plan. 
the plan was their plan. They had a plan of their own. They had a game plan of how life goes. They had it worked out. They knew how it was going to go. And they hadn't allowed for the fact, you know, he has a plan too. And his plan was much bigger than their plan. In fact, his plan was kind of incomprehensible when set beside their plan. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? It's a good plan. Aren't you glad that Jesus died? That's a hard one to answer, isn't it? <laughs> but you are, aren't you? <laughs> You're glad that Jesus died. I'm definitely glad he rose from the dead. But, but you know, if I'd been there with those disciples, I'd have been just as perplexed as they were. I'd, I'd have looked at them and I said, how can this be? The Savior goes to the cross. The King gets crucified like a, like a, a common criminal. How, how can this be? And yet, it was a great plan. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? It's not necessarily your plan. In fact, it's probably not very much like your plan at all. It's his plan. And you say, well, how am I going to know this plan? Will he send me a letter? No, he won't send you a letter, but do you know what he will do? He will lead you in that plan if you let him. And do and you know what you're going to have to do in order for you to live to be led in that plan you're going to have to come to the place in your life where you put your plan aside you're going to have to come to the place where, where you come to him and you say Lord I want your plan not my plan if I ask you to raise your hands how many, how many have had a plan and it turned out to be a bad plan hey listen we've had lots of bad plans haven't we but you know his plan's never been bad now it's hurt sometimes but it's never been bad it's a good plan. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does that mean? What does it mean for you to present your body a living sacrifice? It means this, Lord, I'm yours. You do whatever you want with me. My life is not mine, it's yours. Now, why would you do that? Why would you give yourself to somebody else and let them have control in your life? Well, because he's God. And because he loves you. And he knows what's best for you. But he says, present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. Do you know you didn't get to be a believer by merit, by being good. You got to be a believer because Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the price for your sin. You got to be a believer because Jesus made himself a sacrifice. And he says, you know, it's reasonable for you and I to make ourselves sacrifices too. It's reasonable for you and I to come to him and say, Lord, <clears throat> whatever you want. And then he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the, that's the rub for us. You see, the problem for you and I is, my mind goes one direction. 
And my mind is for me to be comfortable and happy right now. That's my natural bent. That's your natural bent. I want to be comfortable and happy right now. I don't, I don't want trouble. I don't want difficulty. If there's, if there's going to be problems, listen, take them away. I don't want difficulty. I, said, oh, I don't want issues in my life. Neither do you. But you know what? <clears throat> he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We could put it in the colloquial sense of today, get a different head on you. That's what it's saying. Get a different head on you. Get a different mind. Get a different thinking. Stop expecting it to work to your plan and present yourself to him and let him work out his plan in you. And then it says that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may know what God wants you to do. That you may step into that place where you're in his hands and you're a living sacrifice and you're doing whatever he wants you to do and you're living in that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, I understand. I, 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 I know what happened for these guys. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. They got all wrapped up in what they wanted. They got all wrapped up in where they were going and what they were doing and how they were going to make it happen and, and what it was going to be like when they were on the 12 thrones. A few hours before Jesus goes to the cross, they're, they're arguing about who's going to be greatest. Talk about getting it wrong. Talk about missing it. I, we're just like them, aren't we? And we get it wrong too. We miss it. Right? And you know what we need to do? We need to come back to the Word and say, okay, Lord. Whatever you want for me, whatever your plan is, whatever your will is, whatever your way is, that's what I want to, Lord. Lord, would you help me? And you know what he does? He helps us. You know, <clears throat> these disciples never haven't had their 12 thrones yet. They're going to get them. But you know what? They haven't begun to live by this point. Jesus comes in, he fixes it all up for them. Then the Spirit comes in a few days later, and they are set ablaze. And they became, became world changers. They changed the world. Not by their will. Not by their plan. But by his plan. Some of them have great names. Others are not mentioned doesn't matter as long as they did his will their lives counted hugely and you see one day one day we're going to stand before Christ at that judgment seat of Christ that great award service and all's going to be revealed on that day you don't know nothing until that day that day's going to reveal who's what and where's where and uh, who did what we don't know nothing until that day Right? But you know what? You yield your life to him and you let him have his way. And there's going to be rewards for you in that day. And nobody's going to say in that day, you know, I wish I'd had more fun. 
I wish I'd done more of what I wanted to do. Nobody's going to think that on that day. We're going to be so glad for the fact that we served him and yielded him. Maybe just think, I wish I'd done it some more. So here's the thing. The disciples got it wrong. They missed it. And it comes to you and I today. And we have a choice. Either we get it wrong, go our own way and do our own thing, or we submit our wills to him and say, Lord, you take my life and you do what you want to do in my life. And if we do that, we win now and we win eternally. It counts. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this resurrection morn. Thank you for this day, Lord, that we remember the fact that our Savior lives. And oh, Lord, as you lived and you spoke to those men on that dusty road that day, and as you rearranged everything for them, Lord, by just taking them to the Scripture. Lord, we yield ourselves to you today, Lord. Would you do it in us too? Would you keep us on track? Would you keep us in that place where we're yielded to you and letting you have your way in our lives? May we let your word have its way. In Jesus' precious name, amen.